got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. You got to spread Welcome, everybody. I am Joe Rendacci, and this is the fourth episode of my podcast series called How to Fake It When. Each episode focuses on important moments of our lives that we suck at and explores how you can better fake it until you make it. So join us for a thought-provoking session of some fact, some fiction, and a little fun that looks to explore the reality and wretchedness of human interaction. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by my good friends at Toasted. They harvest the finest grains and oats and other organic foods. So remember, on a cold, dreary evening, a heaping mouth of toasted nuts may just be what your body needs. Hopefully, you've joined us for at least one of my podcasts and know that we infuse these sessions with AI. Don't get too excited, because here, AI still means the asshole inside of me. So, think of this kind of like a high-powered engine being pulled down by a hamster on a wheel inside of it. There's trouble on the road ahead, especially if I get too close to the guardrails. Say hello, AI. Nothing. He's usually not shy. Did I hurt your feelings with the uh, hamster comment? Say something like that again, and I'll have Mother flown in on a one-way ticket. Whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. Get on with it. Okay. So, today's topic is how to fake it when discussing college football. Now, why college football and not all football? Well, for one thing, that would take hours, and none of us want to hear me speak that long. Exactly. See? But more importantly, because college football is a different animal than a whole larger football zoo. There's XFL and overseas and college and high school and... A lot of footballs. So we're just going to focus on college football, and you'll understand why as I get through this. So let's start, as always, with some historical facts. The first college was Harvard University, founded in 1636 in Massachusetts. Did you know it's still the hardest place to get a seat in? Not as hard as getting a seat as a Taylor Swift concert, but, you know, priorities. Shake it off. So, Harvard is the first college, but what do you think was the first organized college sports team? Eh, wasn't anything you're thinking. It was a boat club at Yale in 1843. So, it took more than 200 years before the first degenerate gambler could try to fix a boat race at a college. Can you just see that? Captain Bob, let me introduce you to Captain Morgan's rum. Cheers! Drug driver and wipeout right in the lake. But it took another 25 years until 1869 before Rutgers beat Princeton in the first game of a college football by a score of 6-4. to 6-4, to four, that's more like a baseball score. So how the hell, you ask, do you even get four points in football? And no, it wasn't two safeties. What happened was each score counted as a game. Just figure my air quotes right here. So 10 games completed the contest, 6-4. to You'd say the rules changed just a bit since then, huh? 
And it's important to remember that college football was long before the NFL got started in 1920 with two teams that are actually still around today. Do you know them? I'll bet you don't. I'll bet you're a gambling degenerate. Hey, NFL betting is legal now. Another fact, so I can say that. So it's actually the Chicago Bears and the Arizona Cardinals. I, I wouldn't have thought the Cardinals either. The last championship they won was like 1947. And they were the Chicago Cardinals then. So does that even count to the people in Arizona? Probably not. But this takes us to why college fans are usually more passionate than pro sports teams. And that's called alumni's. When you go to college for four or more years, and I know people that have been there for about eight, you're pretty much a school junkie for life. Pro sports teams, mm, those same Cardinals went from Chicago to St. Louis and then to Arizona where they are now. And think about the Raiders. The Raiders moved from Oakland to LA, then back to Oakland. No one even knew they left. Then to Las Vegas. Sin City, just bet, baby. Stop saying bet. Fine. So, yeah, colleges don't pick up and move. But let's not let colleges off the relocation hook just yet. We have to talk about the NCAA. That in itself is a nightmare that had many little baby sleepless nights. Let's start with another quiz for you. Who do you think created the NCAA? And you're asking what it stands for. The National Collegiate Athletic Association, which is why we'll keep calling it NCAA. It's it's a nonprofit organization that regulates student athletics across more than a thousand schools in the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico. Oof, I sounded like those commercials for experimental drugs that show happy people walking in happy places. You know the ones. With that quick, low announcing voice that says side effects may include everything, including death. I don't even know how those commercials are legal. But betting is. No comment. Anyway, who do you think created the NCAA? It was the President of the United States. That's right, Teddy Roosevelt in 1906. Too many people were getting hurt and even killed in college, so they started. You know, the NCAA to put these rules in place. And ironically, Teddy's the guy who said, speak softly and carry a big stick. I guess he must have meant a college hockey stick. Because, you know, the NCAA covers not only football, but basketball, hockey, rowing, etc., etc., etc. And guess what the first NCAA championship in 1921 was? Wrong! Track and field. Go figure, right? I guess if you ran away quick enough, Teddy wouldn't get you with his big hockey stick. So, I mentioned that college was no better than the NFL in moving around. Let's talk about why. For 50 years, the NCAA was one division. Easy, simple. Then, like a big family getting together at Thanksgiving and discussing politics, it divided. A lot. So, in 1973, it split into divisions one two, and three. If that sounds familiar to the Matrix and Ant-Man trilogy movies, where the third ones aren't even worth watching, well, you wouldn't be far off. Then in 1978, Division I football divided into 1A and 1AA. 
And finally, in 2006, those same divisions changed their names to the Football Bowl Subdivision, FBS, and Football Championship Subdivision, FCS. Yikes. Hang on. I need my old high school study aid. <sighs> Better. This is almost as bad as SATs, which you need for college, which is why this is the perfect subject for a How to Fake It podcast. So let's get to our situational examples and see how um, the college relocation situation rears its ugly head. We're going to do one man and one woman situation, since this really can go bad for either sex. That's because depending on a few variables, you can't underestimate your opponent. Depending on where they live in the U.S. and where they may have gone to college, and depending on how many kids they have playing in college sports, they may be a faker or a playmaker. My point? Well... Even though the first college football game was in my hometown area in the Northeast, I spent my life never, 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 never discussing local college football. The teams basically stunk, and there weren't traditional powerhouses, and the NFL really ruled. I had two NFL teams. I had two of every teams when you live in a you know, big city. Though one of them usually played worse than the college teams. So when I moved later in life to the southeast which is the mecca of college football i had a study to be able to communicate with the locals i'm serious study so you got it <sighs> needed seriously they're nuts down here it's god country and college football and not always in that order when we were shopping for a house Every fourth place we looked at had a spare bedroom totally designed in their colors of their team. Half of them had a bulldog for a pet, for Christ's sake. Crazy. So, now imagine having to go meet new potential work clients without knowing this stuff. And this sets our scenario. So, it's 10 a.m. on a Monday morning. You just drove downtown. Drove is probably the wrong word since the traffic was dead stopped on the highway for so long. You believed you lost consciousness at one point and eventually woke up at your client's office with your car in neutral and you in the backseat. But nevertheless, you persevere. You walked four blocks from that garage as you perspired like a wild hog in the 400 straight day of heat of at least 99 degrees. And by the time you get to the client's office, the water bottle that the receptionist offers you has been sitting on a hot storage closet for so long that you can swear the year it shows it expired begins with a 19. It's when you feel a hand slap the back of your shoulders, making your sweat-soaked shirt cling to your skin before the vacuum created by his blast forces it to bubble back up, making you look like a humpback whale. You spin around totally ready to have a cellmate boyfriend after you're about to shove the water bottle deep into his nostrils when client call with that big shit-eating grin on his face asks you how y'all doing you see that game roll tide now this is where you first need to have your inner child climb down off the ledge i'm not a child not you chill out so you need to calm down find your internal happy place and focus there's a few things to unpack here. First off, 
y'all. Uh, that translates to you all. Yeah, I know there's one person he's addressing. But hey, when in Rome, and there is a Rome in Georgia, so just go with it. Secondly, had he not said the word game, you could have easily thought a gigantic tidal wave was about to crush the city and kill everyone, which at about now would feel cool and refreshing to you. But again, no. Roll Tide is just a saying that fans of the Alabama Crimson Tide college football team says to each other, and anyone else living, sleeping, or dead. Now, this scenario, like I mentioned, every podcast always needs to pay attention to one of our base tips, which is know your audience. Since this scenario is in Georgia, then you need to know that the main two teams and that their connecting state teams all hate each other, but you must know who they are and what their scores were by the end of the weekend. And yeah, he could have moved from way out of state, but not many of us say y'all with a Brooklyn accent. So checking the scores of these local teams will help not only to make you not look like a deer in the headlights, but it'll allow you to be ready when you're about to use tip number one. Stay vague in your answers. So, respond with, Yes! What a game! I couldn't believe it was even that close. Now, if it wasn't close, substitute in, What a nail-biter. The key here is as soon as you say either of these, immediately follow up with the score of another game that no one would remotely care about. Say something like, Did you catch that Yabba Dabba Doo University game? My wife's cousin's brother's nephew played defense for them. He had three sacks. What a thriller. Client call will have no idea what the heck you're talking about and stutter out of the chat. So now you peel your suit jacket off, your sweat-stained, soaked skin, and you drain that bottle dry like it's a victory party in 1999. Because that's probably when the bottle expired. All right. So... Now let's roll tide into scenario two. This is for the ladies who struggle to talk sports. And this is not a sexist comment. I've met plenty of women in the South that know much more college football than I do. So let's make this a date in the Northeast. Our guy, Tommy, just closed up the pizza place, clicked all 14 locks on the door shut, and heads home to get the smell of calzone off of his skin. He races home in his vintage Irox Z, bathes in a bottle of a Giorgio Armani cologne knockoff called Hugo Odor, and runs out the door to meet Diana at the bar and grill. Diana, who's still unable to get the taste of Preparation H out of her mouth, still mutters under her breath that the tube looks the same as toothpaste, waits for Tommy. And here comes Tommy as he tries to kiss Diana, who turns and he almost catches her ear because she's trying to keep her hemorrhoid breath away from him. But he settles into his bar stool and orders them drinks. This is when Angela, his ex-girlfriend, bounces over and kisses him square on the lips. Tommy's got to squirm away and eventually introduces the women to each other. And Diana's eye dagger is already shredding Angela apart. Goes down quicker when Angela looks up at the college game on TV and says she's got money on the favorite from the Big Ten Conference. She asks Diana who she thinks will win, pretty much figuring that Diana wouldn't know the Big Ten from a Big Mac, and normally she'd be right. But today, Diana used tip number two. 
Know your surroundings. What's this mean? Well, well, you always need to know your audience. You also need to know where you're facing your opponent. So if she was going to a fancy restaurant like she wanted to, Diana wouldn't expect to talk sports with Tommy. He wouldn't be dumb enough to put her in that position. But since he said he'd meet her at the bar and she hasn't been on many dates lately, she goes and she knows games will be on. She saw that the big game of the night would be between the two college football conferences, the Big Ten and the Big 12. And even though both conferences have 14 teams in it, and it's total insanity why they're called what they are anymore, she stores a few points that she now sticks in Angela's ear. Diana smiles and tells Angela that her money would be better spent on the Big 12 team. Because they've won five out of the last seven. And she should just save her money for better fake eyelashes because she looks like a gopher is living across the top of her nose. Well, maybe she saves that comment for the end of the night in the parking lot if this thing goes bad. But anyway, then Diana ends with tip number three. Exaggerate a semi-relatable, totally untraceable comment. So... Diana says something like that she was at the college championship game three years ago for work. And the private suite they had was next to one of the Jonas Brothers suites. Angela won't ask which Jonas Brother, but if she does, just tell her it's the one that nobody remembers his name. Because usually we can't remember the third guy's name anyway. Uh, That's really it. Now, whether Diana should dump Tommy's ass for taking her to the bar instead of a nice restaurant... We'll save that for another podcast. So, in review, our three tips this week were stay vague in your answers, know your surroundings, and exaggerate a semi-relatable, totally untraceable comment. By applying these tips with a little time, effort, and practice, you'll never feel cornered or not in control of any conversation. So, I want to thank my listeners for sharing your time with us. Please follow us and spread the word that no matter how crappy your day is going, no matter how much you'd like to run screaming into a frozen meat locker and chill out from a work-related heat stroke, relief in the form of a little bit of fact, fiction, and fun is just a click away. Later all. A pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene. You got to accentuate the positive. Yes, yes. I need the negative and yes. let you.